and be more specific about this. <laughs> so you're going to make a strap loop. Now, to make it so that it doesn't impact your, doesn't take into account your rib cage width. This is how people always do it. They like measure it with their arms down at their sides, but then you're measuring your rib cage too. You don't want that. So when you stick your arms out in front of you like this, so far enough away from you or out in front of you that they're no longer next to your rib cage, I want you to bring your upper arms to parallel one another above your elbow so that your upper arms look like the sides of an H or a number 11. Number 11s don't look like this. That'd be like a weird angled number 11. That's too close, okay? So, and if you're not sure, and we're gonna do this this way, I want you to get with the person next to you you're not looking at their lower arms. I want you to look from shoulder to elbow and get those two lines, each side, parallel with one another. You can take a strap and tighten it up or loosen it until you get that to happen just above your elbows, okay? And when you think you've got it right, ask the person next to you if you've got it right. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> And then it's like, this is not right. <laughs> so parallel are two, two lines that run side by side in the exact same plane. <laughs> I think that's a good definition for it. A number 11 is two lines that are parallel. An H. <laughs> two sides of a box. And when you're doing this, turn, turn the bicep to face pretty straight up or the eye of the elbow to face pretty straight up so that you're measuring the shoulder in terms of neutral rotation. Tori, turn your palms up. Yeah, yeah. It's not from that part of your arm, but I want to see neutral rotation. There we go. Serving platter arms. Forklift arms, whatever you want to call them. Forklifts have parallel tongs. <laughs> All right, those look good. Okay, so take your three blocks, set them next to the mat on one side, it doesn't matter to me which one, and then your strap next to you, so that when you lie down, you have props nearby. So we're doing sun salutations, yeah? Okay, I can only in 90 minutes get through an A, just so you know, there's no way I'm gonna get through that B one. But I did chair stuff and backbend stuff last two times, so you can, Apply that to those, but all right, props next to your mat. Come on, come on, you. <laughs> just yeah, you. <laughs> put, just put the blocks on one side so you don't have to, because you're gonna lie down. I don't want you to have to sit up to get them. Yeah, come on. It's my younger class now. All right, lie down on your back and you lie down with your legs however you like for the first bit here. Have your strap near enough to you that you can grab it without having to stand or sit or roll over. So just pick a position that feels wise enough for you. And there's a funny thing that happens oftentimes like just in life, but yoga classes amplify it where I say choose a shape to be in and you pick one and that's it. That's the decision. But sometimes you have to choose a couple different things or at least have the freedom to decide, oh, this might not be the best option. So you can always change your legs or change your arms. 
So that feels like something that's like, yeah, I could be here for a while. And when you've figured out the one that feels like it's working in this moment, the best for you, let it be. So sun salutations, or what we're going to work on today, are common in yoga classes at large at this point. However, they're a really complex set of movements. You can think of it like a shuffle step or something fancy in tap dancing that you see like Fred Astaire do. And yet in classes, we teach them without ever teaching the intricate steps of the choreography. We just ask people to get out on that stage and start tap dancing like they're professionals usually. But there are these little intricate movements and positions that once you've learned them, linking them together and doing them repetitively can be somewhat sustainable, but it just takes a lot of choice making and understanding at first. The only way to make good choices is to be aware when you are paying attention and to know when you are not and to be able to come back to paying attention. And to pay attention, you have to pick something to pay attention to. So now, let it be your breath. And I'm under no illusions that that is easy or that you can sustain that right away. So then it just becomes the task of find your breath when you are no longer paying attention to your breath or you become overly analytical or involved in how you're breathing. You somehow make breathing rocket science. Just go back to, okay, just there's breath moving in and out. Now you have a choice. It's not imperative, because the sun salutations are just a set of movements. They would still be the same set of movements whether you link the breath to them or not. To link the breath to them in a group setting, really hard. And to do it, you have to be able to take long breaths, otherwise you have to move at like a sprint. So if it feels like it will be all right with you, Consider taking the breath cycle to a longer format, in and out, a little bit longer each time. If as you're doing that, it creates more friction or more anxiety or feels counterproductive, just let your breath move in and out. There's no need for these movements to absolutely happen with the breath. It's just a focal point at the end of the day. Transfer your attention from the breath, wherever you may be doing with it, and take it to your physical structure. So some of you have your knees bent, feet on the floor. If that's the case, just outstretch your legs onto the floor away from you. How you position them doesn't particularly matter. Just take them out there and then relax. Let them flop however they do. Now once here, pay attention to the shape of your spine in particular and to know how it's situated in space. You pay attention to the back of your pelvis, your mid-rib cage, back of your head. All of those points are touching the floor. And then the lower back and the neck are portions of your body that may at least feel like they leave the floor a little bit or there's some sense that 
oh yeah, my lower back isn't quite as heavily in contact with that surface, or maybe it's not at all. Okay, so notice where those points are. And then bend your knees and put your feet on the floor. And when you put your feet on the ground, put them hip distance roughly apart. Same with your knees. So your hip joint itself is just a little bit wider than your sit bones. None of you have sit bones that are anywhere near the edges of your mat, just saying. So your feet don't need to be anywhere near as wide as the mat. So once you get your feet here, now go back to those points, back of pelvis, upper back, back of your head. Still touching the ground, but what does the lower back feel like in relation to the floor? The neck, is it different? For a lot of you, it will be. And if you're not sure yet, you can take your legs out, let them relax for a second. Notice that. And then bring them back in, feet on the floor, and notice that. And if there's this shift where you can feel the pelvis rocking or the lower back decreasing in curve once your feet are on the floor and your knees are bent, then you have two different shapes of neutral spine for you. Just keep it in mind. Now once that note is made, reach your arms up to the ceiling. So just reach them straight up over top of your shoulders. Take your hands out of the equation for right now. Make fists instead. And you can turn your fists to face one another so that your knuckles are facing each other. Now look at your arms with your eyes. Notice your arms from the elbow up to the shoulder. Now you can't see the shoulder because your head is on the floor, but you can see where your elbows are in space. Look just above them where the bicep lies. From inside of your shoulder, turn your bicep to face fairly straight back towards the back of the room. See if you can keep the knuckles facing one another while turning the bicep to face fairly straight back. Now once you have that, hold the shoulder in terms of the turning position that you just put it in and bring your elbows to parallel at shoulder distance. So stack your elbows over your shoulders instead of your hands. Now look at your arms and see, well, there's where my elbows are. Here's where my hands are. Now let's see if you're wise about the decision. Put your strap around the upper arms, just above your elbows, and then bring your arms back up to the same position they were just in. Now you created, and it should be just above the elbows, not down by the forearms or wrists. There we go. Now we created a shoulder distance strap loop at the elbow joint previously. So there should be some tension on the strap, not so much that you're trying to break it. Now turn your biceps to face fairly straight back with the elbows at now shoulder distance. Now notice where your hands are in space. For a lot of you, they're wider than your shoulders, and that's fine. That's a skeletal, structural situation that you cannot change unless you go swap your arms out at the skeleton store. So leave the upper arms where they are. From the lower arms, see if you can turn your knuckles to face the front of the room. Now as you turn your knuckles to face the front of the room, look at the biceps and make sure they're still facing fairly straight back. Now turn your knuckles to face one another again. And then turn your knuckles back to face the front of the room. See if you can isolate the rotation from the lower arm instead of from the shoulder. Once you've figured out how to keep the shoulder fairly neutral in terms of position, see if you can figure out how to keep the knuckles facing the front of the room and reach your fingers up to the ceiling.
And again, look down the arms. So elbow shoulder distance, biceps facing fairly straight back. Pull your fingernails back towards you. Pull them back towards the floor like you were doing, you could call this somewhat, all fours on the ceiling. Good. Now, as if the ceiling weighed a million pounds, press the ceiling away from you and let the fingers and the palms come back up to vertical so they're stacked over top of your forearms. Good. Now flex the forearm muscles again. Pull your fingers down towards the floor, the palm, back of the palm down towards the floor. Same way. Good. And then push the ceiling away from you. Bring your fingers and palms straight back up. So how do you isolate each joint? Pull the fingers back down towards you again and then hold them there now. Now look at your wrists once you have this. If you have elbows that are at shoulder distance that are now causing your hands to be wider than your shoulders, that's fine. But for a lot of you, you might have a kink in this inner wrist now. So maybe you turn the palms out a few degrees so that it looks like the wrist is nice and evenly folded all the way across and it's not creating too much tension at the thumb and index finger side of the wrist. Good. Okay. Now notice just how wide are your hands, how turned out are your palms. Make note of it. And then let that go. Take the strap off of your arms and come up and over onto all fours. Now you can come up and over or you can just flip over sideways and I don't care which direction your head is facing for now, whatever is easiest. Now look down the length of the arm. Okay, turn your biceps to face fairly straight forward once you get here. And once you've had the biceps fairly straight forward, get your elbows to shoulder distance apart. Okay, once the biceps are fairly straight forward, so they should be facing the front edge of your mat, not each other. Once you have that, then let the palms turn out the amount of degrees you had them turned out before. Good. And now pay attention to the sensation in the wrist or the anchor of the heel of your hand. Does it feel like it's evenly anchored? Or is your wrist bothering you? Shift your shoulders a little back behind your wrists. And if you need to walk your knees back a little bit, do that. Or you can move your hands a little forward, whichever you prefer. Because your hands are going to be on the ground a lot. So it's important you get them in a place that works. Now pay attention to the hands again. It should feel like it's pretty easy to keep the whole palm anchored. Lean a little forward, lean a little back. It should feel like the wrist is folding fairly evenly and like it's not causing any pain in the wrist. If it's causing pain somewhere, widen your hands or turn them out a bit more or narrow them or turn them in. But figure out where does it feel like they're nice and evenly anchored without you having to do a lot of muscular work. And once you've figured it out, make note in your mind, where are those hands? How wide are they? How turned out are they? Even if it's different than usual. Consider taking these a little bit wider. Just consider it. Just a bit, like another three inches. There we go. Consider. I'm open to suggestion. <laughs> All right, now, once you get your hands in place, make note of where they are. Now we start to work. Move your knees forward or back until it feels like they're just a little bit behind your hips, as if you were creating the same hip crease that you were doing when you were lying down. There we go. Now imagine the floor was underneath the back of your body again, back of the pelvis, upper back, and back of your head. So adjust the neck, chin up or down, until your neck gets neutral for you. Tilt the sit bones up or down until your lower back gets neutral for you. 
Now we'll call the skeleton in place once you figure all of that out. Now let's start to stabilize it there. Keep your fingers on the ground. Pay attention to the muscles in the back of your forearm and see if you can peel the heel of your hand up off of the floor. Can you lift the heel of the hand by the wrist? Good. And then bring it back down. And then lift it up again. So can you find the muscles that take the wrist in the opposing direction? If you don't want to do both at the same time, you can do one at a time, but up and down until you find the muscles in the back of the forearm that neutralize the wrist from this position. If it's hurting your wrist, move your hands forward. Once you find those muscles, now keep the palms on the floor. But see if you can find those muscles in the back of the forearm and use them to start to stabilize the wrist. So think about peeling the heel of the hand up without actually letting it happen. Okay. And then once you've figured that out, sit back on your heels. If you want to put a block between your ankles, you can. But sit up in some kneeling position. If that doesn't work, sit cross-legged. And then bend your elbows like robot arms. Imagine that you were holding 3,000 pound weights. Let your elbows move away from your rib cage a little. Get your bicep to face pretty straight forward. Curl. Okay. 3,000 pound weights. None of you are that strong. Come on, man. <laughs> okay. Find the muscle in the front of your upper arm, the one that bends your elbow, bicep. Okay. Then straighten your elbows out. Nice. Press the arm straight back behind you. Yes, it is. For you too. <laughs> okay, press them back so you can find these muscles back here. They're going to want you to leave, but it doesn't seem like anything's happening here. Right? Now, you find the muscles in the back of the arm that straighten the elbow, the ones in the front that bend it. You now bring your arms up in front of you. Biceps pretty straight up. Keep your arms at shoulder distance at the elbow. Squeeze in until you find the muscles that bring the arms towards one another. Now imagine the strap was around your upper arms, press out. And if you have to take your arms a little wider than your shoulders, you can, until you find the muscles back here that take the arms away from one another. Okay, now put your hands back down in the position that they go for you. Width and turn out, that works for your carrying angles and your shoulders. Stop the, watch the sprinklers are gonna come on or something. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so width and turn out that you figured out works for you. A little in front of your shoulders if needs be. All right. Now go down and start to stabilize. So first thing will be whole hand should feel like it's fairly evenly anchored around the circumference of the palm. Keep the palms on the floor. But find the muscles that peel the heel of the hand up away from the floor in effort. And now find the bicep. Keep your elbows straight in position but fight like you were going to try to bend them. Then go to the back of the arm. Keep your elbows straight and use the muscle at the back of your arms that straighten your arms, tricep, bicep. Then squeeze in with the arms, press out with the arms, and all of these little efforts until somehow it feels like the arms get a little bit more stable. If it's hurting your wrists, hurting your elbows, don't be such an over-aggressive muscle-firing student. <laughs> Do less. Okay, or adjust your hand position or any of that. And then take your three blocks, make a train of them, long train of them behind you, all connected to one another. 
then lie down on them. So you'll sit on them, lie back over them. They'll support you from head to pelvis. If you have to move them so there's a couple of inches in between each one, you can. But just make a long train just like this. Yeah. Precisely. Then sit up on them, lie back. And if you're going to have to move them so that they support your head. So you'll probably, most of you, unless you're small, you're going to have to move like a good six inches or three inches in between each one. You're the only one that's going to get away with all three of them stuck together. <laughs> Some of you need like five blocks. <laughs> so all you're trying to do is elevate your pelvis through your head away from the floor, but it should feel like you're still lying on the floor just now. You're flying in space a little bit. Lovely, lovely. All right. Make sure you feel stable on those. If you need more blocks, raise your hand. I will happily get them for you. Okay, now, feet hip distance, knees hip distance. Okay. Once you have this, you can take your arms wherever feels comfortable for right now. And then same thing, back of pelvis, upper back, back of head, all on one surface. All in the same plane, lower back, neck, moving away from the floor, same idea. Now, legs are roughly hip distance apart. You keep them there, squeeze them together in effort, as if you had a block between your legs. If they come a little closer together, fine, so be it. And then relax that. Take your hands to the outside edges of your thighs, where the seam on the side of your pants is. If you had a seam on the side of your pants, some you don't. <laughs> Take your knees a little tiny bit wider than your hips, press your hands into your thighs, Press your thighs into your hands until you feel the muscles in the outside edges of the hips that take the legs away from one another. And now bring the legs back to hip distance apart, feet back to hip distance apart. Keep them in that position in terms of their spatial positioning, but squeeze in, press out. Let those two little efforts fight with one another. And then go up a little higher. You can put your hands around your waist. This gets to be the fun part. Cough. If you have to do it a couple of times, go ahead, but there's a muscle around your waist and down the base of the abdomen, goes all the way around the back, that you might feel working. Now without coughing, see if you can fire it. It also helps you laugh, barf. Okay, so see if you can keep that muscle firing without making all the coughing noises. And then relax a bit. And put your hands behind your head like you were going to do sit-up arms. Keep your neck fairly neutral. The head will lift up, but take your attention to the top of the abdomen, base of the rib cage at the front. Contract there and lift your chest and head up off of the blocks a tiny bit. And then lower down. Now go up and down a few times until you find the muscle at the top of the abdomen that flexes the spine or rounds it. And when you figured out where that is, you can relax back down, head down. That was quick to find it. <laughs> okay, feet hip distance, knees hip distance. Reach your arms up to the ceiling. Position your arms as if you were doing all fours on your back. Same distance apart with the hands for you, same turnout. If you figure out they need to be a little asymmetrical, that's completely fine. Start with stabilizing the arms. Even though there's no body weight on them, can you find forearms, upper arms, 
Inside edges of the chest and shoulder, outside edges. And now the squeeze in, press out with the hips and the waist. And without changing the spine or lifting your head up or any of that or flattening the lower back, none of that, can you find just a little bit of the top of the abdomen? Now, if that feels intuitively unwise, stop doing some of that or reconsider, balance out the choices a bit more. Now, hold on to all of that. Just come up onto the ball of the right foot. Notice the thighs in space, they're parallel with one another. Hips are both folded to the same degree. Can you leave them that way and just straighten your right knee out enough that the shin parallels with the ceiling? Thighs should still be parallel with one another in space. Like you are doing all fours on the right side entirely. And then you bring the right foot back down and see if you can pick the left one up. So can you stabilize using the trunk and hip stabilizers? Keep the arms working and get the left foot to pick up, knee to unfold enough that you're on the left side doing all fours on your back. Now for some of you, bring that foot down and maybe the right foot comes up and then the left foot comes up with it and you hover in all fours on your back, which would mean point your toes. <laughs> Unless you want to do those weird Barbie toes, which is funny. So how do you stabilize all of these parts of your body? It's a lot harder to do all fours on your back than it is to do it on the other side. And then bring your feet back down, your arms down. You can take yourself up and off those blocks and come up and over onto all fours. Don't move them too far. You're going to need them in a second. Up and over. So first things first, put your skeleton in place for you. That'll mean get the knees behind you enough that the hip is pretty consistent with where it was when you were lying down in terms of amount of fold. Hands width and turn out. That works for each one of your personal arms. Then spine, neck, lower back, neutral for you. Now start to stabilize this. You can go from the legs, squeeze in, press out, waist, up and over, and then to the arms. You can do the arms first. It's a lot easier than it was when you were lying down a second ago. Still a ton to pay attention to. And now flip your feet over as if they were plank feet. Can you hold the spine steady, the stability in the arms, and just hover the knees a quarter of an inch? And then maybe back down. Now if it's hurting your wrists, elbows, or shoulders, consider moving your hand placement. If it's hurting somewhere else, consider moving your joints. And if it's not working, don't hover. Don't. You can always flip over on your back and do this. Right? Lift your knees and hover them an inch if you're going to do it. And then bring them back down. Okay. One more time, hover them. And then down you go. And you sit back on your heels. You can flip your legs out in front of you if you'd like, but just take a moment. Turn the eyes down, close them, whatever you'd like, but back to the breath. If there's lingering sensation in the elbow, the wrist, the shoulder, somewhere in the joints, consider you may need a wedge. Maybe you need to move your hands in front of you. And when you feel ready, set up the same shape again. 
This time before you get too locked into where you are, step one leg all the way back and then the other so that you're in plank for one moment. Once you're in plank for one moment, keep your feet exactly where they are on the ground, just drop your knees down. And once your knees are down, go back up and over to the forearms, stabilize upper arm, shoulders, waist, same with the hips. And now hover the knees, maybe a quarter inch up off of the ground. Keep the left one bent. It can also hit the deck if it needs to. Straighten the right knee. And if you figured out your lower back needs to arch a bit more, because when you're lying down, it showed up as arching a bit more, then let it as you straighten this right knee. And then bring the right knee down. If you need a break in between sides, take it. Otherwise, straighten the left knee. Call it going from all fours to plank on one side and then the other. And now bring them back down, and you can go back side to side, one knee straightening at a time, or you can do both at the same time eventually, but take your time. You're trying to unfold the hip, unfold the knee with minimal impact on the spine. It might get a tiny bit more arched, if anything, without creating pain in your wrists, elbows, shoulders. So how do you do just these simple movements back and forth? Simple but very complex all at once, all the duality. And once you've figured it out and swing yourself around and back onto your back, you can go. At this time, scoot yourself far enough forward so that your feet are just on the very, very edge of your mat when you're in constructive rest or knees bent, feet on the floor. So you can easily get your feet up that, off that front edge without too much trouble. And then lie down, just constructive rest. Tori, scooch forward just a bit more so that you go back to the breath. When you feel ready, take your arms up to the ceiling or within the next few moments. Same idea, same arm positioning, same hand positioning, width, turnout. As if you were doing all fours or a table on the ceiling. Now imagine ceiling's a million pounds. Feel what happens in the shoulders and where the muscles are that work to press the ceiling away from you. Press up into it. Let the shoulder blades feel like they're moving away from the midline. Keep your elbows shoulder distance as you go. And then bring the shoulder blades back to where they started. Now go in and out, call this shoulder blade shrugs or something. Up and down, where are the muscles that do this? How does it feel to mobilize the shoulder blade this way? Now the next time you press the ceiling away from you, keep all the muscles in the arms firing like you have been, the ones that just move the shoulder blades away from one another, and take the arms up and overhead a few degrees, just a few, maybe like 10. Good. And then bring them back up to where they started and let the shoulder blades return to where they started. And then do it again. Press the ceiling up away from you, take the arms up and over, maybe they go another 10 degrees past that. And then back to where they started. And keep going back and forth between all fours and up and over towards your head until maybe, eventually, your arms get to a place where the upper part are by your cheeks. Now as you go, you've got to keep pushing, keep pushing the ceiling away. It'll eventually feel like you're pushing the back of the room away, but let the arms move, let them reach. What would keep your head away from the floor if you were doing an inversion of sorts. 
If it's hurting the shoulder, adapt to the arm positioning. Eventually, when you figure out how to get the arms to the place where they're pretty much by the cheeks, leave them there. Push the back of the room away from you at that point. If it feels like you need to wiggle the rib cage back because you're stuck to a sticky mat in a backbend funnily, then you can scooch the rib cage back a bit as you reach. Just notice how that feels. Where are you in space? Elbows are still shoulder distance apart. Arms are still working in many of the same ways. And then bring the arms back up and over and take them by your sides. And then the right one, take it to the crease of your right hip, right where the thigh bone's meeting the pelvis, meeting the hip joint. And then flex your right ankle so you're on the right heel. You may have to, depending on the amount of stickiness of your mat, pick it up a bit, but we'll see. Feet hip distance, knees hip distance on the right heel. Start to move the right heel away from you. Slide the heel forward and unravel the leg like you were doing plank on the right side. If the lower back arches a bit as you get the leg out, that's fine. And then drag it back towards you, bending the knee, folding the hip until it ends up back in that same position that you started in. Good. And then unfold it again. This time when you refold it, refold the knee, refold the hip, and pick the foot up off of the floor so you end up in a table-ish shape on your back, on the right side. Good. And then hand in the right hip crease, get the right hip to fold all the way to 90 degrees. Where's a right angle there? Now once this right hip is folded to 90 degrees, keep the right hip folded 90 degrees. Imagine the floor was underneath the ball of the right foot. See how straight you can take the right knee without the hip unfolding, without the spine changing. And if that means that the knee doesn't straighten all the way, then don't worry about it. And then re-bend the right knee some and go in and out. So to keep the right hip at a 90 degree angle, how straight can your particular knee go? The hip being the priority, the knee not being that important at all. And then when you figure out this right leg, you can put the right foot back on the floor. The left leg, you'll slide it out, slide it in, slide it out, slide it in, and then pick it up and play with how straight can this knee go? So learning how to isolate certain movements to keep other things still as you move certain joints. Now when you figure out this left hip in terms of the 90 degree angle in the hip joint with as much of a or as little of a straight knee as you particularly can do with wisdom. No pain in the back of the knee or around the sit bone or in the SI region. Then decide, okay, do I have both knees that'll relatively go to the same straightness or do you have two different knees, one that bends more than the other? If you have one knee that bends or needs to be bent more than the other, that knee will guide. And so bring this left foot back down eventually when you've figured it out. And then pick the right foot up off of the floor and bend the hip to 90 degrees. 
Then pick the left foot up off the floor bend the hip to 90 degrees. You know where the trunk stabilizers and all of that are. Feet hip distance, knees hip distance roughly. Now press the ball of your foot towards the front of the room. Mm -hmm. Now both knees at the same time this time. Straighten them out to the point where both hips will stay at 90 degree angle. Let the knee that needs to stay the most bent be the guiding one. There you go. And then re-bend them a bit. And then straighten them out to the point where it's, yep, that hip is bent to 90. My knees are bent to whatever works for me. And a couple more times and eventually hold it. Once you've held it, you can take your arms up to the ceiling, set them up, palms pressing up to the ceiling, elbows shoulder distance, press the ceiling away from you, take the arms up and overhead until they're by your cheeks, elbows stay in shoulder distance the whole time. Look, recline down dog. And once you get to recline down dog, press the balls of your feet up to the ceiling so that the back of the lower leg contracts. Just the balls of the feet, don't move the knee. There we go. And then at the same time, pull the balls of the feet towards you, press the heels up to the ceiling. And now get to a happy medium where you're doing a little bit of both of those. There we go. And then come on down and rest. Back to constructive rest and back to the breath. If you're not scooched far enough forward on your mat, you can scooch a little bit further forward. And then once you're ready, set yourself up into reclined all fours-ish position. Arms up, shins up. Once you're in reclined all fours position, stabilize. Arms, waist, hips. Now think, if you were flipped over on the other side, you wouldn't get to do, you wouldn't straighten your knees out first. You'd start to unfold the hip as the knees started to straighten. So think about the heels and the feet coming down towards the floor and begin to unravel the hip and unravel the knees until you end up in lying down plank pose. And if that means you've got to bend the knees a lot the whole time on the way down, then do. Lying down plank pose would mean your feet are on the ground. And then refold that back into reclined all fours. Now if you do one knee at a time, that's perfectly fine. It's creating pain in the lower back, do one leg at a time. But go back and forth between reclined all fours and reclined plank. So how do you stabilize the trunk? Move the hip, the knee, without the shoulders and arms getting involved. You could also call these backward sit-ups in some way. And eventually, when you're lying down, you can go from reclined plank. Once you get to reclined plank, you can go to reclined down dog. So it's highly unlikely your knees will stay straight to go from one to the other. Maybe they will when you're flipped over because the fixed object becomes different. You go back and forth between those, which will mean as the legs come up, the arms go up and overhead at that point. And then as the legs come down, the arms come back up towards the ceiling. So in and out, you can go. Again, moving one leg at a time is a perfectly viable option. And when you've figured out some of this, no rush, you can rest. 
and eventually you'll make your way up and over and onto all fours. Take your time. This gets to be more like a workshop, this one. What do you need real down dog for? Do it on your back, it's way harder. <laughs> Flip on up and over. So first thing will always be get your skeleton in position for you and because plank's length dictates this, you have to find planks full length first, then bring the knees back down. And leave your feet in the position they're in. And it'll be hands your personal distance, personal turnout. Spine neutralized. And then once your skeleton's in place, stable. Squeeze in with the thighs, press out, waist, up and over to the arms, forearms, upper arms, shoulders. And eventually, Maybe you just hover the knees and you don't bother straighten them out much. Maybe you hover them and then you straighten out your knees. And go back and forth between those two things, the hovering all four, the hovering plank, and eventually you start to push the floor away from you and just let the shoulder blades move around the rib cage first and then back to where you started and then back to down dog eventually with as much bend in your knees as you figured out on your back. Start to put some of these pieces together. And you can go back and forth between one movement and the other. You can take breaks. If it hurts your wrist, elbows, shoulders, sit bones, SI joints, backs of the knees, consider adapting what you're doing. Knees bending is viable. Arm positioning or hand positioning, changing it is viable. All of those will work. And sometimes on your back is the one that works even better. And then you go back and forth between the two. So remembering the next day is consistent between those movements. Give yourself a moment to explore. Going from plank, all fours, back to plank, to down dog. when you get to down dog if you would like and hold push the floor away from you back of head upper back back of pelvis would be the same positioning as when you were lying down on your back with your arms up and overhead don't worry about getting those heels down it's inconsequential and far past functional range frankly if you'd like you can even in effort pull the heel up away from the floor what would that be like Maybe you need to change the foot positioning. Maybe they need to be wider or a little bit turned out or asymmetrical or turned in. All kinds of options. If it feels unwise where they are, it's hurting, change the feet. And eventually when you figured that out, you can come on down, swing around onto your back. This time, once you're down on your back, take your legs out and away from you. And so all the way out on the ground and tune back into your breath for a moment as the focal point of choice.
you have a breath in sight at least a little, take your attention out from there, down to the legs. Would you feel where you have your legs positioned in terms of distance away from one another? Then bring them all the way as close as they'll go together. Once they're as close as they'll go together for you, don't worry about flexing anything first or anything like that. Just, all right, here they are, all the way together. Maybe you like that, maybe you don't. But take the legs away from one another until it feels like your heels are roughly hip distance apart for you. You gotta play a little bit back and forth for a second, that's fine. And then you can let your feet relax. And go up into the hip instead. Rotate from the hip until it feels like your knees are facing fairly straight up. And if it bothers your knee or bothers your groin, try adapting where the legs are. You can turn in or out, try one leg at a time. And then once you have the legs rotated to a position that feels like, okay, they're roughly hip distance apart, feels like my knees are facing fairly straight up, pull the toes back towards you. And once you have that, balls of the feet pulling back towards you, notice again, what does it feel like? Does it feel wise in my knees, the hip? And then just look up at your feet for a moment. Notice if the feet face straight up. Don't change them. If they don't face straight up, they don't. If they're asymmetrical, they're asymmetrical. But notice where the feet face. Where's the angle of them? And then once you have that in mind, you put your head back down. And hug your knees in, roll to the side, or rock all the way up, whatever one you want. Stand. So same idea, bring your feet as close together as they'll go, or your legs more specifically as close together as they'll go, without hurting yourself. And then start to wiggle them away from one another until it feels like, yep, that's stable. My heels feel like they're stable underneath my hip joint. And if you get too wide, wiggle them a little closer, it's fine. Now, you can deal one leg at a time. Get your knees to face like, or <laughs> get your knees to face fairly straight forward. Give me a little valley girl for a second there. And if you have to turn one leg out a bit more by rotating one foot out a bit more than the other, or in, or whatever it may be, go ahead. If your feet angled out when you're lying down, consider letting them angle out. If they angled in, consider that. And then tune your into sensation. You do it with the eyes closed or with them fixed on a point. Let your pelvis and your neck neutralize for you that same position you would have had in plank. Now, does it feel wise in terms of width? Does it bother your knees, your hip, your SI joints, or groin? If it does, change the foot positioning. Once you have your feet roughly where you want them, put your hands wherever you want, hips, arms by your sides, whatever you prefer. But really slowly, peel the heel up away from the floor. 
Releve. And then down. Go up and down. You don't have to go terribly high. But where are the muscles in the back of the lower leg that lift the heels up? Once you've figured those out, go the other direction. Now you may have to bend your knees slightly to do this, but see what are the muscles that feel the ball of the foot up, or you can go side to side, depending on your amount of ankle mobility. Once you've figured out heels up and balls of the feet up, what's it feel like, or where does the work feel like it exists to lift the inside edge of the foot up? And then how about the outside edge? You can play with all of those, a little bit at a time. Letting the feet move. If it hurts your knee or hurts your ankles, please do less. Eventually, when you have those muscles isolated, then keep the soles of the feet on the ground. Keep the heels down, the balls of the feet down, the toes down. And start to combine some of those efforts together. Until it feels like you're working the lower legs and the feet are fairly anchored for you. But there's no pain in the knee or the ankle, no pain in the hip or the groin or the lower back. Now you all know how to straighten your knees, so straighten them. What would it be like to bend the knees some really slowly? Where are the muscles in the backs of the legs that bend the knees? Let them bend and then straighten them back out. Go back and forth between bend and straight until you figure out where those muscles that move the joints are. And eventually you'll keep the knees straight, but fire the muscles on both sides for stability. And then you already learned the hip ones, the squeeze in, the press out, but the lower leg, the upper leg all combined. You have the waist combined. So here you are, stable. You can take your arms down by your side. Fix the gaze, you can close your eyes. But again, if something feels counterproductive or unwise in your joints anywhere, change the position of your skeleton, then refire your muscles. And pretty much everything stays the same from here. You know how to take your arms up and overhead, so reach your arms forward and up to shoulder height. Once they get to shoulder height, bring them up and overhead the same way you would for down dog. Reach and then bring them back down to shoulder height and back down to your sides. This time, bring them up to shoulder height in front of you again. Biceps pretty straight up, elbows roughly shoulder distance. You can do whatever you want with your hands though. Okay, fire the muscles around the upper arm. Now reach, reach for the front of the room. Let the elbows stay shoulder distance apart and let the rib cage elevate all the way around really evenly. Might even feel like the back part lifts up more than the front. And then bring the arms back down to shoulder height and then slowly back down to your sides. Remember when you were on all fours, the elbows weren't bending. So as you move, arms up and over and back down, your elbows straight for consistency, not that they can't go overhead bend. And eventually when they get up and overhead, it can either be like down dog hands or your palms can face one another. If you reach up enough to like really go for it, it might feel like, oh, it would be all right to look up. And then arms back down. 
Can you start moving the arms with the breath or just moving the arms in a fluid way where the hip and the legs not changing. Your rib cage is elevating, not ending up in more of a back bend. If anything, it's kind of less. There we go. So how do you do? Just a simple arms on up and arms back down movement. Because it's exactly the same. what you've learned already. Once you've figured it out, stop and take your two blocks, put them the tallest way they'll go in front of you, roughly shoulder distance about apart in front of you. Don't put them too far away. And start again, standing, arms down by your side. Your foot positioning, your width, your turnout, your asymmetry, it's all allowed. And then go into stabilizing the lower leg, stabilizing the upper leg, the hip, the waist. And then put your hands on your hips this time. And if you're tactile, you can always do hand on belly, hand on lower back as well, or finger on chin, finger on chest. We'll see. See if you can bend the hip or fold the hip maybe a good 20 degrees. So tip the pelvis and the torso and the head all forward just so the hip folds 20 degrees or so. And then back up. Now is it really coming from the hip? Put your hands down on the crease of the hip or the front of the thigh where it'll fold. And fold. Fold from there without the neck, without the lower back changing. And then back up. Now the next time maybe as you fold it 20 degrees you add a little bit of a bend in your knees. Now in and out you can go until you get the hip folded to roughly 90 degrees or so. With as much bend in your knees as you need, you think of this much like down dog. How do you do this without losing the trunk stability, without changing the neck so much? And again, if as you're going it's bothering your sit bones or your SI joints or your knees or something like that, then change where your feet are. I swear the yoga gods won't get you if you make your feet asymmetrical or wider or turned one way or the other. There's no such thing as the yoga gods. <laughs> now the next time you get that hip folded to 90 degrees, maybe for you, without the spine changing, it'll go a bit past that. And you can put your hands down on those blocks. And once you get to that shape, there's no winning for having straight knees once you're here. You don't bend over and pick things up off of the floor with straight knees. That would be very legally blonde of you, but don't do that. But pay attention to sensation as a means to make good decisions. Is it bothering you the backs of your knees? Up around your sit bones. Around the back of the pelvis, lower back, groin. If it is, bend the knees. Change the leg positioning. Now, how do you get back out of here and up to standing? So unfold the hip, unfold the knee, stand yourself back up. Spine can stay fairly consistent. And now in one fluid motion, can you fold the hip, fold the knee, and down you'll go into what we could call Ardha Uttanasana. And when you get down here, if you have long arms, 
And those blocks, you've got bent elbows on them, then fine, change the blocks, you can turn them down a notch. If once you get down there, some of those sensations in the joint show up, turn the blocks back up. And then unfold that back up to standing. So neutral spine, hip unfold, knee unfolds, up you go. And then back over. So a couple of times, going just from standing to Ardha Uttanasana, which will be a half forward fold or so. 90 degrees, maybe a tiny bit beyond in the hip. Some of you are at like 173. you have folded over to the degree you fold to with the block height that works for you hold. Okay, so spine should still be like it would be in all fours or when you're lying down in constructive rest. If that means you've got to come up higher on the blocks or bend your knees more, go ahead. Now from here, pay attention to sensation again. If it's in the knee, the sit bone, groin, SI region, change what you're doing. And what would it be like to consider the spine rounding some and the torso folding over, chest coming down towards the thighs or torso coming towards the legs? And then unfold that back to that Ardha Uttanasana shape. Now for some of you, this rounded part won't work for you, so fine, you'll fold Ardha Uttanasana. For some of you, as you fold, it's fine. But if it's showing up as pain or weird sensation in the sit bone, SI, lower back, knees, Stay in the Ardha Uttanasana one. Go in and out a few times. Or hold because you know that's wise for you. Or consider changing the feet or the legs. Now you can start to combine that all together. The next time you unravel to Ardha Uttanasana, or if that's your version of Uttanasana, stay. And then unravel the hip, unravel the knee, and up to standing you can go. And then from standing, once you're stable, fold yourself back over into your version of Uttanasana, or your version of a standing fold. Hip goes first, knee, then maybe spine, but maybe your Ardha Uttanasana and your Uttanasana are the same shape. Mine are, just saying. And then unfold, back up to Arda, or staying in Arda, and then all the way up to standing. Now you can start to combine that with the arms overhead part. So stabilize Tadasana for you. Then the arms can go forward and up. At your own speed now. Now as you start to fold, the hands usually it feels wisest if they come through prayer in front of you or join together in front of you. Then the hip folds, the knee. Down you'll go. Then you can unravel that back to your version of Arda or hold Arda and breathe. And then back over to the fold again. And then the funny thing is you have to make your way out through that Arda shape. So make it your way through Arda, then up to standing. Once you're standing, arms can come forward and up again just for consistency for today. And then back down and arms can go. And again. So you can breathe with it, or you can just let your breath move as you go, but arms up eventually. So 
where are things supposed to be stable, where the other joints move in. And then over, it doesn't matter if you get your hands on the floor or your chest to touch your thighs. I can tell you I lost more than I gained from doing that. Just saying. In and out of the half salutation. to be way more freeform with it. Let's see if we can start to make it a bit more fluid. For you, knowing that wisdom still counts. So if it's bothering you somewhere in your joints and you know you're going to regret it later, then consider adapting what you're doing. There's good reasons for props. There's good reasons for bent knees, for alternate feet positions. positions, I think it should be grammatical. Now eventually, when you fold over, you're going to have choices the next time. Next time you get to that Arda, you can decide, are you going to put blocks under your hands at a low height, distance, and turnout that you need, or are you going to put your hands down and try to step from here back to that plank shape? You have short arms and long lower leg bones. It's a little bit wiser to have maybe the blocks. They'll need to be the width and the turnout that you had before. So make sure once you get to that plank shape that you've got the hand positioning that works for you. If your plank is an all fours shape, fine. That one's a good one. And eventually you'll go from the all fours or from your version of plank back to a down dog shape. If I had known a long, long time ago that this whole step forward thing is really cumbersome for many, many reasons, I would have made different choices. You have choices. You can step a little bit at a time forward. You could step one foot around one hand and then follow it with the other. You could take one big step if you've got really long arms and short lower leg bones. You could eventually get your feet back up to the front of the mat, the width the position that works for you, and you'll go right into that artist shape, which you also may hold because that might be your Uttanasana shape. Otherwise, over you go. And then unfold. The spine, if it's rounded and flexed, it'll unfold, then the hip, then the knee, then the arms can go up eventually. And then back down. Just arms. Plus power you to do. We're going traditional here, neo-traditional, last hundred years or so, right? Arms forward and up, you've got to put a Tadasana in there, it's an endless loop, it'll never end. And then forward and over. Now your version, the faster you go, the harder it is to remember what works for you and why you're doing it, pay attention. And then your version of Arda. Slowly, plank, consider things. Would it be nice to have blocks under your hands? Would it be better that your plank was in all fours? Do you have a moment to stabilize once you get there and then to fold back to a down dog that has your version of knees, your version of ankles? 
intentionally, walk the feet, step them. However it feels productive for you to get them to the front, but they need to end up in that position that's your Tadasana shape and up into Ardha Uttanasana, you could go. That's it. And then back over if you have an Uttanasana that's different. And then up to standing, eventually arms up. And then arms back down to your sides. A couple more times, just that set of movements without the two cumbersome things. It's just a set of movements that are very, very, very consistent throughout. Shoulders flex, they unflex. Hip flexes, knee flexes, they unflex. That's it. So you can do that without having to do what would be considered those things you see in the videos as the way it goes. Uttanasana business. Try to neutralize the neck, neutralize the spine without leading with your head. This last time when you move through this, once you get to down dog, you hold there. Again, there's no rush. Drop your knees down and take whatever resting shape you'd like for a moment. In child's pose, you kneeling. Swing your legs around, cross legs feet. Go back to breath solely. your way up to your length of all fours. And if you need to set up a plank, a full length plank first and then drop the knees, go ahead. Remember there's always options. And the most magical stuff is sometimes when you lie in constructive rest as others are moving around. Now, hands your width, your turnout in front of the shoulders if they need to be. Your spine in its personal neutral position. You can keep the knees down for this first one. You start with the forearms stabilizing, upper arms, shoulders, waist, hips. 
Now, without shifting forward, just look down at the arms. Neck will change some to do that. Biceps fairly straight forward. And bend the elbows a few degrees. Now, as your elbows bend, watch them. The elbows to look like they're hinging straight back, so that pointy part of the elbow is facing straight back. And then re-straighten them. And then re-bend them a little bit. Now, as you bend them just a little bit, if you're having to fight to keep the elbows from winging out or from winging in, change your hand positioning. It's a little easier on you. If your torso keeps getting in the way, your hands are too skinny for what we're doing. Why me? So just bending and straightening the elbows a little bit. Now, as you bend them, fight like you were trying to keep them straight. And then as you straighten them, fight like you were trying to keep them bent. If it hurts your elbows, work less hard. Go down and up, you go. Now, eventually, if you would like to do mini push-ups with your knees up off the ground, fine. If you never need to do that thing again, fine. We we'll call it chaturanga, I suppose. <laughs> Chaturanga to me can be plank. Chaturanga to me can be all fours. Chaturanga to me can be all fours bending your knees a tiny bit or plank bending your elbows a tiny bit. Eventually, somehow, with control, you gotta get down to that mat though. All the way down. So it could be from all fours, but hands will end up under your shoulders instead of under your elbows. So if you're used to shifting forward, stop doing that. And same distance apart, same turnout underneath the fronts of your shoulders or up your arms. It should be fairly easy to get the elbows facing straight back or the upper arms parallel in that H shape right behind you. Some of you have chicken wing arms because your arm hands are too close together. There we go. Now go down to the legs and just straighten your knees. Get them the distance apart that works for you that you would have in Tadasana. Put your forehead on the floor if you like. Put your chin on the floor if you prefer. Okay, so the legs just a little anchored. Pay attention to your lower back, SI joints. If this is bothering you already, we could call this not a shape for you. In which case, you can put you back up to all fours. Otherwise, just a little one. Neutralize your neck first. So let the head hover off the ground until the neck is fairly neutral. Now push your hands into the floor and let your chest lift up a little bit maybe five degrees, and then back down. And now up and down you're gonna go, just a little bit at a time. Height is inconsequential. This is work of the back line of the body. And if this isn't working for you, you come up onto all fours and do that thing they call cow. I can never remember which one it is. It's backwards how it should be. If you have a good distance away from your chest and the floor when you're doing this, if it feels wise to let the chin then move away from the chest, fine. So what's your version of a back bend here? Knowing that can be up on all fours. Now eventually, when you figure out where your back bend is, you're going to have to get from here to all fours and then to plank. Figure it out. Stabilize your hands. You know where the muscles are that straighten the arms, that neutralize the spine. Once you get back to plank, you move to down dog. And 
this time you have lots of choices. From here, it'll be to unravel the hip, bring the shoulder to a 90 degree angle, and come forward to something that is either plank or all fours. Once you end up there, you can either cow, or lower all the way down and do the cobra shape, or you can hold all fours or plank and just take a leg up behind you. And eventually after the back bend shape, we'll back up through all fours to plank, then down dog. Sorry, I don't teach up dog. Sorry, not sorry. You'll thank me when you're older. So now figure out how to put these movements together, how to go from here to all fours or to plank to some version of something that uses the back line of the body, be it lowering down, be it holding plank and taking a leg up, be it doing a back bend on all fours. But if it hurts somewhere in your lower back, your groin, your SI region, somewhere counterproductive, then consider modifying what you're doing. No prizes have been lost for one from doing all of these things. Lots of things have been lost though. Nothing won. Make good choices for you. And now once you figure out how all of those things, and take your time, if you need to be down here on these hands and knees shapes over and over a few more times, go ahead. Otherwise, when you figure that out, you can go to down dog and walk feet forward, unravel this part eventually, back up to standing. You have all these components now, you probably need your blocks. you're back up to standing, let the eyes fix on a point, close them, come back to making the decisions about where your feet go, the width, the angle of them. It's just a set of movements put together that are intricate, but they're full of places to tailor and customize for you. And once you feel sta stable enough and focused on the breath enough, you start to stabilize this standing pose shape, this mountain pose. And then begin to move. It'll be the arms first. They'll go up overhead. If for some reason you were linking this to breath, this would be an inhale. And then the exhale will take you forward and down. Although these are funny breaths, they should go the other way. Then. This would be an inhale, Ardha Uttanasana, although your Uttanasana and Ardha might be the same, which would mean you just hold and keep breathing, then the step back. Blocks are an option, take your time, take extra breaths, oh my goodness. And then once you're there, maybe it's the drop the knees, maybe it's just a mini bend, maybe you hold all fours. Then some version of a backline work, be it cobra, be it cow, be it lifting a leg. and then eventually to down dog and you'll hold. Now the thing is with that down dog, I highly recommend you inhaling as you go back to it and exhaling on the back bend. They go better together, functionally speaking. But you can experiment with both and figure out what feels wiser.
ready, you walk the feet forward and eventually unravel through the shapes. It's Ardha first, then if there's an Uttanasana, it's a fold over again. Then it's unraveled the standing and arms up. And eventually back to where you began, arms down. A few more times through what your version of a sun salutation A would be. Lots of options. the lowering down. Maybe you leave out the back bend. Maybe you leave out the top of the mat part. My goodness. So many choices. you're welcome to stop and swing around onto your back constructive rest Eventually, you're done. Lie on your back. Please take a pause there. Be with your legs outstretched. It can be with your knees bent, feet on the floor. And no rush to get there. Once you're down, let the legs turn a bit and roll them side to side. And bend your knees, put your feet on the floor and let the knees knock in or let the knees move away from one another. And let the arms stretch out to your sides. And rock the knees left to right. So if there's 
little sense of a twist. Again, if any of that hurts, don't do it. Choose something else. If the shape's like hugging your knees in or happy baby, feel wise in your structure and choose those. And take the legs out onto the floor, reach them away from you, take your arms overhead, you can do that too. few moments, if there's something simple that would feel wise to you before you become still, you're welcome to do that. Eventually, when you are ready to set yourself up into a final position, be it legs propped up on your blocks, be it knees bent, feet on the floor, constructive rest idea. Flip on your side and lie in fetal position and flip over to your belly and lie there. Really, it's completely up to you. So a lot of mindful moving, a lot of decision-making, skillful choices. It's hard to do that, especially around a familiar set of movements in a group with a teacher. But all of that is necessary so that you can get here to a place where you're doing physically almost nothing, lying here. You could actually call the other parts of the practice harder, more intricate, more difficult, easier in the sense that you have lots to pay attention to, harder in the sense that it's difficult to make skillful choices when there's so much going on. Here this is harder because the one choice is the breath. Some aspect of it, the sound, the location, something like that, but otherwise it's just breath and when not breath any longer, back to the breath. Completely internal and personal to you.
breath out to the body its contact with the floor becoming aware of that becoming aware of the sounds outside the sounds within the room Eventually becoming aware of what it's like to move a little bit. To listen to others moving around you. And be with every aspect of what's happening here as you make your way slowly up to a seated shape of your choosing. about sun salutations is that it allows you to make difficult personal choices while everyone around you is moving through seemingly the same set of joint positions, same set of movements. It'll teach you how to be unique despite what everybody else is doing around you. Join your hands together, last moment. Bow your head if you'd like. Head up, you can open your eyes if they're closed. Namaste. Bless you. That was for the sneeze, not not blessing you. It's a combo deal. One way or the other. Bless you.